Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the book of Joel. So this is actually escaping God's wrath. You'll see the graphic up there. Thanks to Jeremiah Ledbetter. He, he uh, makes those for me and, and he snatches those and puts what I ask for him on there. And, but we've got to go somewhere before we get somewhere. So we've got to go back to 1 Peter. We're going to look at God's judgments. And he talks about, Peter's going to be very clear that judgment starts where? Starts in the house of God. Judgment starts here with you and me, first and foremost. And we talk about the judgment of God. We're talking very much about him saying, this is right, this is wrong, walk in this way. Be holy as I'm holy. So we're in that series, Escaping God's Wrath. And if you come next Sunday, and let me encourage you to come the next four Sundays, because our Bible teachers at Catalyst at 9 a.m., uh, they'll be teaching this. And they, even, they don't even have their notes yet, because I've been so dilly-dallying with this and and struggling through what can we keep and what can we not keep because the book of Joel would take us a whole year just to expand upon what's happening there in the book of Joel because it's very much what's happening during their time, but also it goes all the way in. The, the One preacher put it this way, that Joel was able by God's spirit to climb on that mountain and see all the way down through the time of history of the great day of the Lord. He saw the return of the Lord. He sees the millennial period. And y'all, let me tell you, we're going to be talking about end time things because we want to get to the book of Revelation in this spring. And so I said, Lord, we can't get there until we go somewhere. And the book of Joel is the key that unlocks the door. I'll give you an example yesterday. I came up, I was studying, studying. Lord, I'm trying to crunch all this information for our Bible study teachers so they can digest it and give it out to our people so that we would be equipped to talk to our brothers and sisters about Jesus Christ and about end time things. Well, my mind got a little bit cloudy, and so I was like, I need to take a walk, and I threw a load of uh, dirty clothes in the wash. It was from the kitchen, and, and I, my mom called at the same time, and I walked out the door, and the door shut behind me. Well, our door is automatically locked behind you, and my keys were on my desk. And so I started walking around the property, talking to mom, and then by the time I finished, I realized I didn't have any keys. Well, there's a secret door with a secret code that we have, a few of us have, so I went, oh, no problem, I'll get into the church that way. And someone else had spun the manual lock on that door. <clears throat> they remain unnamed, but they do know me closely, and they will be hearing about it tomorrow. <laughs> I was locked out of the church. Uh, so I'm like, who am I going to call? Wendy's in North Carolina with McKenzie and Chris preparing them to move. And who am I going to call? I could call Mike, but he's with his family. And there's a lot of people I could call. So I was like, you know, the closest person... Let's see who can undisturb Martin and Chong. So I called Martin. Martin, do you have your master key? Are you at home? Yes, I am, Pastor. Be right there. They came right over and, of course, used the key to let me in. And so Joel is the key to understanding end times prophecy. So Joel's going to launch it out. He's the key to let us in that door. And as we go in that door, we're going to go to Ezekiel and to Daniel. Uh, we're going to go to a lot of different passages of Scripture. First, Second Thessalonians. We're going to have a look. And we're going to go to Revelation as well. But we walk in through that door with Joel today. There's the key that we're going to step in. But before we get into that key, we need to understand the judgments of God. So we read about wrath of God and plagues and all the different things that are coming in the future. We must know who we are. It starts with you and me, the people of God. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have to listen to today's message. You're just exempt and hear one guy talk. If you're a Christian, Peter's writing to you and to me today. <clears throat> he's writing to us how we should live. And then he's going to tell us about God's love and then God judges. So God does love. Amen? Don't we like to hear those messages about God's love? 
And many times in the church today, we've quit preaching about God's judgment because it offends people, and they don't want to go back to that church because that church is so mean. Now all they talk about is the ugliness. All they don't talk about is the rules of God. Well, guess what God likes us to talk about? It's given that he loves us because the Bible says in 1 John, God is love. But is God loving when he disciplines us? Is God disciplining us when he loves us? Is he loving us when he's called us in those tribulations in our life so to make us more and more like Jesus? Does he love us during those times? So we can sing the songs that we sing this morning. We can understand that he loves me no matter what. And he has a plan for my life. And as I suffer, I'm actually fulfilling the will of God. And you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. That sounds like a, a crazy God that we have. Well, he's not crazy. He's holy. And he says his ways are greater than our ways. And I'll show you this morning, it is our fault because of all the bad things that come into this world today. Let's look together. First Peter chapter 4, we'll pick up there. If you're in Catalyst, we were in chapter 3. Now we're going to chapter 4, so it's going to start with a big therefore. So if you didn't come to Catalyst this morning, you don't know what the therefore is there for. You've got to go back and read yourself at uh, chapter 3. So the therefore in chapter 4 is, therefore, since all I just told you in chapter 3, now we're going to go to chapter 4. Peter's going to finish up with us as Christians, okay? Let's begin chapter 4. Verse 1, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Let me ask you this today, and I know the will of God comes up in a multiple passages of Scripture we read, the will of God. When I was younger, I told you, I didn't understand what the will of God was. I always thought it was kind of this special thing that you're going to get one day, and God's going to go, boo, and here's the will of God. I didn't know what it was, and how many of y'all, have you ever been confused with the will of God? Don't Because everybody used to say, don't you want to do the will of God? Yeah, I do, I do. Do it. What is it? Because I didn't know what the will of God was. I thought it was like some special thing that you're going to find out eventually. Somebody would tell you what the will of God is, and then I would hear people say, don't you want to know the will of God for your life? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do. And don't you want to know the plan and the purposes God has for your life? And the answer is, yes, I do. But here's what I want you to understand. God's not entertaining us with this Ferris wheel circus type of preaching and teaching. He wants us to understand that his will is multifaceted, as we've said before. It's like looking through a kaleidoscope. Anybody ever done that? When you look in the wheel, see the multicolors in there? That's the will of God. It's multifaceted. It has, it's beautiful, and it shows itself in lots of different ways. So when you hear the word of God, the will of God, let's talk about some things. What is the will of God? Is it the will of God that we love one another as we love ourselves? Is it the will of God to love God? Is it the will of God not to steal? Is it the will of God? Go down to all the will of God and you say, well, all those rules don't make sense. Well, they do if you understand them that God is holy and we're not. Let's, let's continue. But I want you to see this. Peter says, this is the will of God. Verse 3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Those are people that are non-believing Jews during this time because we're now in the New Testament. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Can you imagine the Bible talks about us running together with the evil ones? You ever heard about, you ever say that when we used to run with these people? Anybody ever say that, uh, that terminology in English? That was the crowd I used to run with. Anybody ever said that? Raise your hand. And that crowd usually wasn't a bunch of gospel preachers running around, was it? 
That crowd was doing wrong. That crowd was doing sinful things. That crowd that you're with, that group that you're in, listen, you get a group of sinful people together, what's the topic of discussion most of the time? Sin. Yeah, don't, oh, Pastor, we don't know because we're so holy. You know exactly what it is because Peter's talking about you. He's talking about you, and he's talking about you, and he's talking about you and you, and all y'all watching by TV or whatever you're watching, he's talking about you, and he's talking about me. We used to run sinful ways with sinful people, and now that you've changed, they look at you like you're kind of some kind of weirdo. And guess what? We are weirdos for Jesus. We've been set apart now. We've been pulled out of that world, and he's telling us to walk in a different light because if we don't, judgment's going to start right here at our house. Verse 4, excuse me, verse 5. They will give what? What does your Bible say? An account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Everyone's going to face judgment. I mentioned that this morning in Catalyst. Every single human will face judgment. If you're a Christian, you will face the judgment seat of Christ. That's very clear in the Bible. If you're not a Christian today and you die without Christ, you will face the great white throne judgment where you will be judged whether you're living or dead, you'll be brought up before the Lord because he's going to give you that eternal life and you'll be cast into the lake of fire which burns forevermore. That's a horrible thing to think about. Hell was created for the devil and his angels what Jesus said. Why do we go there? Why do you humans die and go to hell? It's because we love our sins more than we love our Savior. That's why people go. Let's continue. We've had enough time. They're going to give an account. Verse 6. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen, church? Let's stop right there and go to your notes. I want you to see this this morning. If you're taking notes, God has a word for you and me. Why does God's plans include suffering and judgments? I asked that question for you. Have you ever asked that question of God? Why, God? Why am I going through this? Why am I suffering this? And you sometimes don't get an answer from God. Has God answered your question of why? He has answered your question. Where is his answer? It's right here in his word. So that, listen, cancer, heart disease, go down the list of things that we're all struggling with today. Whether today we know it or not, we're going to be struggling with something in the future, right? Because, y'all, someday you were born, and someday you will die if the Lord tarries. You're going to die. If that scares you, listen, you need to get right with God. Adrian preached this other night at Revival. He said, listen, we sing about heaven over and over again, but then we do everything we can not to go there. Isn't that true? We sing all about the streets of gold. We sing about the beautiful things of heaven, and then we take every medicine. We try to take every treatment. We, we want to stop and not go there. Why? Because we want to live. God's designed us to live forever. Did you know that? Adam and Eve was designed, and when they were the prototype, when they were created there in the, in the garden, they were built to live forever. But you see in your notes, why are there bad events in life? 
We must understand the perfect life was over when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God in the Garden of Eden. When our grandparents, when grandpa and grandma chose to sin against God, every child that was born after them, through them, is born into sin. We were born into sin, therefore we are what? Sinners. That's us. That's you and me. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Easter, that Jesus came to this earth. Emmanuel, God with us, he came to live a perfect life, to show us he is perfect, that he is God walking amongst us. He did miracles. He did signs and wonders that no one can explain. You couldn't deny that Jesus was God. But he did that to show that he was and had the power of God and that he actually came to redeem us. He preached that he was going to die on a cross, that he would be buried and rise again the third day. The Bible has a record of it. Secular history has a record of it. That Jesus lived. And that there's a story of of resurrection in the Bible. That there's a story of resurrection in secular history. Now, some people say, I don't believe that. Well, here's what you can do with your unbelief. Right? Keep it to yourself because I believe. And the Bible says, if I believe, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. If you don't believe, you're going to hell. Enjoy your eternity. Amen? You have a choice to make. Will you believe what the Word of God says, or will you refute it? Spend your whole life knowing it, all the answers. You have all the podcasts to prove that the Bible's wrong. You have every preacher that says, I don't believe that, I believe this. Let me encourage you today, stick with what the Word of God says. Amen? God has spoken, and He doesn't need all of us out there just giving our political opinion or giving our two cents worth in if we don't want to follow the Word of God. As soon as the preacher says, the Bible says, hold on a second before we read the Bible, and he spends all of his time giving you a motivational speech, maybe loud, maybe soft, maybe quiet, who knows, and never gets back to the Word of God. He, or she, he has nothing to say. Let me tell you that, right? If he just gives you a motivational speech. If he doesn't reference the Word of God. Now, Billy Graham used to say the Bible says. He wouldn't give you always the reference, but he says the Bible says, and you can do a quick Google search and look up what the Bible says. You can see if he's right or not. That's what you should be doing every Sunday when you come to church because the Bereans were approved by Paul saying, listen, you search the scriptures daily. Every time Paul would preach, they'd go, is that in the Bible? Is that the Old Testament? Do we have that true? And they found it to be true because Paul was faithful and true. Well, God never asked us what we should think he should do. Has he? Has anybody ever gotten a phone call from God saying, hey, what do you think I should do about on the south side of Aiken? Anybody want the schools? What should I do about the school system we got? He never calls you for advice because you have nothing good to say but listen if you were wise you'd call him every day 24 hours a day every time you wake up you'd call him the lord jesus i don't know what to do i'm at a point in my life that i'm at a standstill and if you don't intersect this or intervene here my life's over my career's over my family's over whatever whatever it is it's over because without you i can do nothing i've I've done everything i can do that's what people used, used to say do everything you can do and then pray Let me encourage you, pray first. Don't mess around doing your sinful human stuff because you'll mess it up. You'll get it all cattywankas, right? I like saying cattywanka and people have to correct me. uh, You'll mess it up. Do it your way, you'll get your results. But if you do it God's way, which is prescribed right here in the Bible, we'll get God's results. Even when you can't see and when you don't understand, he's faithful. God is forever faithful. Look at your notes there. Satan hates and attacks the saints of God with tribulations, how and why? With the intent to hurt you. Satan wants to cause you harm. Now, Satan himself is not attacking you, so don't, don't ever say the devil made me do it because you're not that important. If you're a prayer warrior and you're, you're preaching, teaching the word of God, he'll send his million, minions out to you and his demons, they'll do business for him. 
Uh, they'll try to tear you down, but he doesn't really need them either because he has you. Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says your old flesh wars against the Spirit of God. Every morning that you wake up, every time you go to bed, listen, sometime during that day, you want to do the wrong thing. You want to do evil. There's a desire to do the wrong thing. And you say, I just can't help it. We make excuses for it. Long time ago, I heard a preacher say, you know what an excuse is? It's a half-truth rolled up in a disguise with the intent to mislead someone. Uh, an excuse is, I'm lying to you, but I want you to know. I'll, I might tell you some truth, and I'll salt and pepper it with some truth, but it's not the whole truth. It's just an excuse. It's a reason. It's a half-lie with the intent to deceive. And a half-lie, in God's eyes, is what? A whole lie. So don't, your math don't come into play there. It's a whole lie. So an excuse is just rolled up. So the sky is rolled up with the intent to deceive. might have some partial truth to it. God sees through that. Satan brings about tribulation in your life. He'll try to cause all kinds of issues. And when I say Satan, I mean Satan, his demons, and he'll use your own flesh. So you understand the world system. We did this with the students. I wish we could do this on Sunday mornings. But during church, we talked about the world system. And our students probably could do it this morning really well. We, we said this section was the world system. And then we talked about this actual section was Satan himself. And this section over here was God. And we talk about where do we want to sit all the time? Where would you love to sit if those are the three places you could locate yourself today? Would you be in the place of God? Would you want to be in the world system to actually listen to every movie, almost every music? What is it doing to us? Is it drawing us closer to God or pulling us further from God? The world's music, not God's music. Is it putting you closer to God? No, it's television, movies. What are they doing? Closer to God? No. And then you come over here and you come back to the pull of Satan says, let's, let's tear it down. He's always, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. Now the world system is set up now because there's evil people in charge. Listen, how many decisions have we had lately in Congress or anywhere that we are saying, wow, God's got to be pleased with that? Very few choices are made, right? We talked about our, I put it on Facebook, our house just celebrated that they passed an abortion bill. They're going to try to save babies' lives. But they said, but it's got to go to the Senate. What's the Senate going to do? More than likely, they're going to thumbs it down in South Carolina. This is us, our responsibility as a church to reach out and say, listen, hey, I want you to do the right thing. My guy happened to say, and oh, I don't know where I'm going to be. Last time they were in this battle, he says, I disagree with what you believe. I said, but you work for me. I don't work for you. And I said, I'll tell you what, maybe next time I might have somebody or myself run against you. Right? I'll take your behind out of that seat. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to promote whoever's against him. If they have any kind of godly values, next time it comes up. The people of God must stand up for the ways of God Amen. in all ways that we have opportunity. Because if you're in a communist country, you've got no say. But we're in the United States of America. We have a say today, and we have the word of God. We're the free Christians that we can actually speak into our government. We can speak into our church. We can speak into each other's lives. And as long as we can, listen, we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. We are not, we are not, hear this this morning. You might be distressed over this. We are not going to save the world. Does that stress you out? The church is to go into all the world to preach the gospel, but we're not going to save everyone. There is nothing in prophetic scripture that tells us that the whole world is saved and then the end. We have to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and then the Lord will come. And when he comes, listen, he's going to gather the redeemed with him. It's called the rapture of the church. It's going to take place that quickly. And listen, isn't it going to be amazing the Sunday after the rapture, there's people going to gather at Town Creek for church. You go, where's everybody at? I did that, Adrian's preaching revival and I thought we were talking about another church that he'd preached that. 
I drove all the way down after I went to father daughter here Friday night. I zoomed down to the church down on Silver Bluff, pulled in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, Lord, the, the raptures happened. Our um, revivals changed, and it was on the north side. I had to drive all the way back over. I said, I called Barbara. I'm going to be late. Late, late. Didn't matter. Adrian was still preaching like an hour after I got there. So I was an hour late, and he was still preaching. So Listen, y'all, we have the word of God. We must give it out, right? Who's to make a difference for? Raise your hand if you've been redeemed this morning. Aren't you glad somebody preached the word of God to you and you accepted it? The Lord Jesus Christ came to you. You heard about the blood of Christ, and now you're saved forevermore from the judgment of God when it comes to the condemnation because your sin was crucified there on the cross that day. Forevermore we're saved. And now we have to live like we're saved. All right, so Satan hates and attacks the saints of God with tribulation and with intent to hurt. The Savior, Jesus Christ, loves and protects the saints of God and sometimes brings tribulations in order to cause righteous living. He causes us to be more and more like Jesus. You look at Hebrews 12, 4 through 11, and you'll have to read that on your own time. Uh, for the sake of time, we'll continue to go and see. We must. Verse uh, 1 there, you'll see, we understand that Christ suffered for us even while we were sinners. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his own love. Go to Romans real quick and look at that. It's amazing. You should mark this in your Bible. Something you can actually share with someone who, that you love dearly. And somebody says, well, I don't believe because God let all this hurt happen in my life. Y'all, I'm sorry for your hurt. I really am. I don't know what everybody's been through. But let me tell you, there's a God who loves you, who can overcome, and he can redeem you. Look at, look at Romans 5 when you're there. Say amen. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that's me and you, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You say, well, I wasn't even born when Jesus died on the cross. You were not born yet, but he had you on his mind. He knows all things. Listen, he had a plan that he was going to save your sorry soul, right? Anybody have a sorry soul before you got saved? I did. Mine was rotten, no good, but I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's something that God did. He took me from where I was to where I am, and he's taking me where I'm going to be one day. The Bible says I'm going to be, listen, I'm, I'm being sanctified. I'm getting more and more like Jesus the older I get. Now, I get cantankerous and ornery. Ask Wendy. She'll, she'll tell you sometimes, hey, you know, your, your spiritual marker is keeping up with your sinful marker or vice versa because you, ain't, you seem to be a little bit short of the edge, right, when you get older, driving, whatever it might be, feeling, I feel bad. And I found out something, too. In the 50s, it always feels better to make a noise when you get up. You ever do that or sit down? Who does that? Anybody ever get mad at your spouse for going, ugh, ugh? Anybody do that besides me? When it's like, stop, you sound like an old man. I'm like, but it just feels better whenever you do it, when you make the noise. As we get older, we should be maturing in Christ. Would you agree? Is that a big amen? Amen. So Peter's telling us how to be more like Christ. Because he's warning us of a day of judgment that's coming. We should warn our brothers and our sisters and our families, our aunts, uncles, friends, coworkers, even our enemies, don't go to hell because hell is a place of torment. God loves you while you're in the middle of sin. God loves you, but he's not going to let you stay there and belong to him. Could you go back with me? Let me jump back over to Scripture if we could. Back over in 1 Peter, verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is what, church? He's glorified. 
whenever they make fun of you, when you're mocked for the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, listen, they come back and they, they slander, they blaspheme the name of Jesus. But in doing so, when they get it, give it to you, your life, when you stand for Jesus, it brings him glory. I think, can't help but think, the angels, the Bible says, Peter talks about, the angels are going, what is going on? I don't understand it. Why would Jesus love them people so much? They turned against him. All of creation. Orange trees are still making what today? Oranges. Apple trees. All of creation is still reproducing and doing what it was told to do there in creation except humans. We're the only thing, the chief of God's creation that is disobeying him. Isn't that amazing to think about? We're not actually being fruitful multiplying sometimes. We're even coming to the point of actually killing the offspring. We're coming to the place of saying, yeah, but we're not having kids. Or filling in the blank. We do whatever we say. What God says do, we don't. And when he says don't, we do. We're sinful. We continue to do what Adam and Eve, grandma and grandpa, decided to do. Well, let's continue. Look, go back to your notes. Although Christ's suffering for us seems unfair, it was the will of God that Christ would suffer for you and for me. That doesn't seem even right, does it? Why, God? I know what I've done wrong. Jesus didn't do it wrong. I did it, and yet he died for me. He took on that sin. Every sin that I have ever committed and every sin that I will commit in the future, Jesus Christ bore on the cross that day. Why did Jesus have to suffer? Because it was the will of God. Simply that. Verses 2 through 6, Peter addressed our former sinful lives before salvation and our redeemed lives after salvation. It was the gospel preached and received that changed us. Romans 10 tells us very clearly, listen, the word of God, Peter talks about, I mean, Paul talks about preaching the word of God. He goes back, go with me back over to the book of Romans. You need to see this. Romans is, we'll get there one day in that book as well. If the Lord lets me live and tarry, we'll get over that. Romans chapter 10, let's look at that together. Do you have this marked in your Bible? If you've been to training here at church, I know you've marked it on Sunday nights. We've trained on how to do this, that we might give out the word of God. We will never change this world even our little bit, even our neighbors, even our house, if we don't use the word of God to give out and talk about the son of God. Amen? Romans 10, let's go there together. Verse 9, are you there? Say amen. He says that if you confess, this is what we preach in verse 8, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what does your Bible say? You will be saved. That's a commitment from Jesus himself. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 13 is important. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, what does your Bible say? Shall be saved. This is a commitment from God himself to you and to me. If the word of God is as holy as Peter says it is, as, as Paul writes that it is, as God in, inspired them to write that it is. God says a word to you and me today. If we would simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we would call upon his name. Listen, we would believe in our heart that God raised from the dead. We can be saved. It's so simple that a child can understand it. And the question Charles Stanley asked one time was, why would God make it hard? Because he loves us. Why would he make it hard? Have you ever heard of putting the cookies on the lower shelf? You'll understand that when you become a grandparent and have grandkids, right? Although it's not cookies much anymore. It's little Debbies. My mom messed me up when I was a kid. I didn't like those little things with the cherry in the middle. What were they called? Oatmeal? What were they? What were those nasty things? Y'all remember those? Who, who likes those besides Edwina Smith? Those chocolate things with a little cherry in them? 
You can leave those on the bottom shelf, top shelf. I don't want anything to do with those things. I always thought they were gross. But we, when the grandkids come, I go to Sam's. And I got, I got all the little snacks that they like because I always talk to Judson. What do you like? And he's the oldest. He can talk. And Emmy eats anything, and so does the rest of them. So Judd always gets what he wants because he's the oldest. And he will tell me. He knows Papa is going to, the, he's going to Sam's to get something that, that he likes. And guess where I put all that stuff? Wendy has this nice little, I don't know what it's called, some little stacker. And it has what, bottles of water and snacks and things like that on it. Well, the water gets, it disappears and all the snacks come to the bottom. That way when they come by, and they'll open multiple packs. I was like, you better eat that. I will, Papa. And there'll be an open bag over there, open bag over there. There's all kind of stuff all over the house. It looks like the Frito-Lay company blew up in our house after uh, they leave. But that's the love of a grandparent because we love. And the Bible says if we love as fathers, how much greater our Heavenly Father has love for us. Now, Daddy's this one as well, don't you? Don't you? Because I've told my kids and I even told Alex, when your kids stay with us, they're going to follow the same house rules y'all had growing up. The same house rules. People say, you don't smack your grandkids, do you? Take your notes. I don't. Not yet. I will, but I don't. The Lord loves us. He gives us the gospel. Look at verses 7 through 12. In our day in your notes, with the devil, the world system, and our old natures are still warring, we must be on guard to live a righteous and holy life through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Our Savior's love must shine through in this dark and sinful world. First Peter says that in 1.16. He says we're to be lights in this world. Jesus Christ was the light of the world, and now therefore he's going back to heaven. He, Jesus told his disciples, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our responsibility as Christians. It's not just to be nice to you. I've got to tell you what's right, what's wrong. Why do we stand up against moral failures? Why do we stand up and speak? Why do we have a thing called church discipline? When somebody gets into sin and they won't repent, we go after you. We say, listen, stop. You said that you're a Christian. We believe that you are. Stop it. Jesus said when a brother's called into sin, you go to them privately. And if they won't repent, you go to them two or three witnesses. And you go to them corporately. And then you bring them before the church and say, we're kicking this person out. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, we're kicking them out of the church because the judgment of God starts where? At the house of God. And we don't do it because we're angry and think we got over on them. We do it because we love them and want to see them restored one day, brought back into the fellowship of God that they might be right with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that modeled in Scripture for us. Finally, let's get through this so we can actually finish. We will be persecuted, verses 13 to 16. It's very clear. We will be persecuted for following Christ. Just accept that. You will be persecuted if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. When we are persecuted for the cause of Christ, we share in his sufferings. <clears throat> Excuse me, Romans 8, 17. You say, well, I don't like it. Guess what? Join the club. I don't like it either. I would prefer it nice and easy all the time. Sunshine and roses all the time. But God says he brings about these that he might purify us, put us through the filter. Would any of y'all like to drink filthy water? Anybody want to drink clean water? Okay, so that's the idea. Does God want to use a filthy soul that's actually getting all contaminated with sin? He can't use that person living in sin. Because it's, listen, have you ever been, had been told what to do by somebody knowing that they're living contrary to what they're saying they believe? Somebody who's a Christian, they're preaching to you, but behind the scenes they might take a little hit of liquor every once in a while and they get a little fired up and, and you see them on Saturday or they live in your family. The worst people are the family members. Because what happens, especially in the South, you know enough about the church because you had to go to church your whole life. You know the scriptures. 
And the scriptures are not only just a witness to you, they're a witness against you because you know enough to be deadly. There's preachers who preach, listen, and they talk about, actually, listen, going into, the, the question we have is, can a, can a preacher or a deacon today smoke marijuana in South Carolina and be a deacon or preacher? Anybody got a problem with that? What about Colorado where it's legal? Anybody got a problem with a deacon, having a deacon's meeting, everybody passing a joint at a deacon's meeting? Anybody? But watch this. The same people who got a problem with the joint don't have a problem with the bottle of booze. Saying, pastors, uh, the Bible doesn't say you don't drink. Don't say don't drink because your pastor is just, a, it's just, a, just it, my, it helps my heart, pastor. Doctor said one glass of wine. Right? And y'all are good. Well, listen, some of you are going to correct me after this. And I'm going to get emails. I don't really care. Because alcohol almost took me away, far, far away, when I was a young man in the Navy. It is a legalized drug that we talk about. They say, well, Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach. That's because they didn't have Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Amen? And so all of you that are closet drinkers, listen, I'm not going to come over your house and check your refrigerator. It's not my place to judge you. But what happens is, if you're not careful, that one turns into two, that two turns into three, that three turns into four, and there's no way to go without it because you've become addicted. And Satan goes, got him, got her. And then what you'll do, and this happened today, not just with alcohol, it's prescription drugs as well. People in the church are fighting because they can't live without the opioids. It's in the church of God, y'all. It's in society, yes, but it's here at our house. And most people don't want to get help because it has messed with the mind so much that Satan says, got him, got her, just put you over in the neutral zone and you're, you're good to go. He'd, he don't care about you being a Christian, but he, he loves seeing a Christian in neutral. You're not going anywhere, uphill or downhill, if you're in the bottom of the valley. He wants people living for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Pastor, I have pain. Listen, I, I'm sorry for that. I know there's medicines, and I'm not preaching on medicine. I'm not even preaching against alcohol, and I don't even think I'm preaching against marijuana. But if you smoke it here at church, I'm going to call the police. Amen? I'm going to call the police on you. If I find out you got THC, any, you got any drugs at all, I'm, I'm still a Christian, and I'm a veteran as well, right? We talked about the different uh, folks that were... We were doing a uh, project with, they said, are those people illegal? Somebody asked me, and I was like, I have no idea. I haven't asked them. If I ask them, i got to report them because I'm a veteran still, and I, I committed to the, the, this constitution of this, of this America that we live in, the country give, given to us. So I'm not after looking to see people doing right things, wrong things when it comes to legal or illegal, but we have those questions we have to ask, the morals. Where do they come from? Where do you actually come up with your standards saying right, wrong, indifferent? Agree to disagree. What you've got to make those standards, and we as a church have to make that. You personally have to make that decision. And then what happens is we'll get, trust me, watch this. I could say alcohol is sin, and I'll get 50 calls this week. Who do you think you are? You preacher, you Baptist preacher, you don't know anything about nothing. You've just been a preacher. They think, they think we just come out being preachers, right? <laughs> have no experience. They don't think we've ever said a curse word. They don't think we've ever had anything to do with anything. And let me encourage you, listen, I'm telling you, alcohol led me astray and almost got me when I was a young man. I, I know from experience, I'm not telling you just from the Bible says so, but let me tell you this too. Every alcoholic says, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody's addicted. If somebody says that to you, they're addicted to alcohol. Do you think God would ever give you something? He did turn water into wine, but it was his wine. It was holy Never use any grapes, never fermented anything. And do you think God would give you something to leave you far from him? Yes or no? You think God's going to sit in heaven and drink a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 with you? 
hang out with you and like, oh, this is good stuff. This is from the vine. We can drink anything from the vine because only in moderation. He's not that way. Be holy as I'm holy, says the Lord. If there's question about it, if there's question about it and it offends you, don't do it. Just walk away from it. Drink sweet tea, go to drink unsweet tea. It, it's going to get you too because sweet tea got me. That's why I'm dealing with sugar issues because of Edwin and Smith. Little Debbie's and sweet tea. You got me, Mama. That, that, that. All right. Ultimately, verse 17. Ultimately, Christians will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, and unbelievers will be judged at the great white throne judgment. You have the scriptures, and this is God's will. God's desire for it is that his people learn to walk in holiness and fellowship with him. And finally, y'all, this is so true. God expects the ones he has redeemed by the blood of his son to set the example for the rest of the world. You are the example setter, whether you want to be or not. When you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you said, I will, I do. And you set the example. Judgment begins where, church? Say it with me. Judgment begins where, church? At the house of God. That's the people of God. This is with us, me and you. We have an example to set. And whether we accept that example or not, that's on us. When God says do and we don't, that's called what? Sin. When God says don't and we do, what's that called? Sin. God's told us to be holy. He's called us. This is my will. You be holy as I'm holy, says the Lord. You say, well, I can't. And the answer is you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot do it. But the Holy Spirit through you will give you. And he's even given us a manual. How do I do this? Look it up. Google. I told you I'm going to make Google a Christian before it's all over. Because I like to look up stuff. He was called me to be holy, and Google will finish it for you. Did you know that? Look it up. Google's going to be a Christian one day. All right, y'all. Let me pray for us today. We have a lot of work to do. Judgment's coming next week. So listen, Joel, the book of Joel, it's an ugly book. It's ugly. But there's also some beautiful future promises for you and me in there as well. I have been redeemed, so therefore I am not worried. But when I preach it, just no judgments in there. So if, you, if you're a little bit shaky with your walk with God, whew, next four weeks is going to be stinky. You might want to visit the Methodist church, all right? Just kidding, Methodist friends. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you love us and you've called us for a purpose. Lord, I'm thankful that we can stand on the word of God, knowing that no matter what, Lord, we can trust you. Even in the dark days and the cloudy days, Lord, your light shines through if we would just look up to you. If we'd call upon your name, Lord, we know the Bible says if we call, you will answer. What an awesome God we serve. And Lord, let us preach the, the love of Jesus Christ. Let us preach the judgment of, of God, knowing, Lord, that as we get next week in the book of Joel, you gave the prophet a word for the prophetic future that you wanted to tell us something told the people of old and you told the people of the future what you're going to do. And Lord, we just stand by day by day watching it happen, be fulfilled. We know the days are evil, but Lord, you're still on your throne. You've called us to be different. Lord, help us be waymakers and different makers in our life because you're the ultimate capital W waymaker. We love you and thank you for that. Lord, as you convict our hearts, may we respond and Lord, forgive. May we love. May we do better than others as best we can in the name of Jesus and for his sake. It's in Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen and amen.